glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Stand with me if you would please as we read Proverbs 30 verses 11 through 14. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Thank you. you may be seated. I mentioned it in the introduction, but in these verses you see a number of problems put forward. Now, generation, the word generation is very interesting. I think I may have mentioned it uh, in the, the series in Revelation on Thursday night. I don't remember, but Matthew 24 talks about a generation. And throughout the Bible, generation can be used in different contexts. It can mean exactly what you and I think. It is clearly, it is the... Uh, the generation uh, that deals with the time frame generally we think of, so you have parents and then they have children and that, that's a new generation. It is a, uh, when there's been a, um, uh, a new uh, procreation of another, of another generation of people. And so generally we think of, you know, 70, 80 years being a generation and that's a, that's a fair assessment. That's accurate, no doubt, and I believe there's reference to that here. Uh, either way, generation, uh, I looked it up and have written down the definition in Webster's 1828 Dictionary. It's the act of begetting, uh, of procreation, so forth. It can mean that. It means production, form, formation as the generation of sounds, so forth. So it can be used in that context, like you're going to generate a sound. That's not necessarily how that's used here. A single succession and natural descent, it can mean, that's definition number two, as the children of the same parents, hence an age, thus we say the third, the fourth, or the tenth generation, uh, the people of the same period or living at the same time. It can also be used in that context. We know that the earth has generations. There are generations in the earth. We might refer to those as dispensations. The Bible uses that term, a dispensation of time, uh, a generation of time. And so it's needful that we look at them in their context here, it seems to be used in a rather general sense as far as a generation. What I think the emphasis, if we're going to be wise, to see is that the generation here is a human generation. It is the product of human reproduction. That's what a generation is. And so what you see is the sin curse at work. From Adam and Eve came a generation. Their first son, Cain, they, they produced. And some of the things we read about here, we see in Cain. And so... What you're seeing is what humanity produces. I think that's, your, uh, you, that's absolutely safe to say whether we're talking about the people that lived during the same period of time. As Jesus said, this is a wicked and perverse, this wicked and perverse generation seeketh after a sign. The people that were living during his time that, he, that would not believe him, he said they were a generation of vipers, meaning... You're the offspring of snakes, basically. You're poisonous. You're deadly. And I believe most likely a reference back to those whose teeth are swords and jaw teeth is knives. He's referring to your fulfillment of that proverb. You're a generation of vipers. Uh, and so a group of people living at one time, no, no matter how you look at it, it is the creation of humanity 
to, re, to generate. This is, what, this is what humanity generates. You think about what a, what a, a dead corpse generates. It generates corruption. And so then, what we're getting a picture of is the corruption of humanity. We have a picture of the problem of mankind. And the reason it comes into tonight's message, I think, I love the songs we sing about our nation. I love the wonderful things about our country. But as a preacher in America today, it's very difficult to be a faithful preacher without constantly and consistently having to preach against sin. Because we are a sinful nation right now. And even those of you who are not yielded to sin, not living for sin, it's still needful for us to see our nation as it is. I think it's unpatriotic to pretend that it's not. Now, I understand that the whole nation is not given. I praise God there's still Christians in this nation. I, I praise God there's still praying people. But the very fact that the Supreme Court of the United States had to make the decision it did recently tells us how far we've gone. Uh, the very fact that, that this is the battles that are being faced tells us we have watched, if you've lived during the period of time that I've lived, I have watched us transfer from one of these to the other. In my lifetime, it was not the norm to hear the amount of anger that I hear today. If you just you, you turn on the radio or you just listen to people, my life is dealing with people. That's my job. And I thank God for saved people, the sweetest and greatest people on earth. And if it weren't for you, how discouraging life would be. Because there's a lot, the average person you're going to be on the street has a lot of anger pinned up inside of them. And I'm not here to give us a negative, you know, let's tear things down. We need to be honest. And I believe this text jumped off the pages of Scripture and has for some time to me as I look at my nation. And here we are on the 3rd of July and considering our nation, and we think about patriotism and so forth, and we can watch and say, man, you can look at the history of our country over the last 75 years, and you've watched this play out. If you know the American history and you've read what's taken place, we have watched a generation who cursed their father and did not bless their mother, and then you see a generation rise who are pure in their own eyes but are still filthy, and then you see a generation who've got their nose in the air and think everybody owes them everything. Next thing you know, you've got a generation who are destroying people with words, absolutely destroying those around them and oppressing the weakest among us. Truth? And that's where we, we see this. And so uh, that's what brings us here tonight is I believe it's a, it's a picture of what we've watched over a history of time in our nation. It's what humanity produces without the intervention of God. You know why preachers today and Christians today feel we need revival? Because of this. We say this is what we've watched happen. You study Europe and you watch this, ex this exact pattern that we see in these four verses played out in England where in the mid-1800s they were on fire for God. And today we're sending missionaries to Great Britain. And they're hard and cold and destructive and hateful with their tongues. Now, I praise God we'll end tonight with some hope because the gospel still has power. But we need to see things clearly. What I want to do is examine these four generations, the problems and the patterns that we see here, and then we'll conclude with what the answer is. And so verse 11, we begin with what we will return as the disrespectful generation. Verse 11 tells us about a disrespectful generation. It says, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. 
So it all begins with the relationship inside a home, the, the child-parent relationship. Now, if I said to you tonight, I just heard that kid curse their parent, you would think they gave them a foul, foul mouth cussing, right? But let me give you the definition of the word curseth here, okay? It means essentially to make light of. To make light of. So, oh, yeah, it's just dad grumbling again. Yeah, you know how he is. You know how dad is, always harping on something. That's a form of cursing. To make light of. The Bible talks about setting light by your parents. It doesn't mean you put a candle by them while they're in their recliner. To set light means you belittle them. You cut them down. You make light of the parent, the parents in the life. So to curse means to make light, literally to be um, swift or small or sharp, to 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 be uh, to to trifle or to speak of in a vile way, to abate, um, to bring into contempt, to despise. Uh, these are all words that describe what it means to curse, to slight. Um, to, to, to make them look vile. So he said, there's a generation that curseth their father. And then it says, on the flip side of that, it's not only the positive that's wrong, it's not only the positive action, what you do, the sin of commission that's wrong, to curse father, but they do not bless their mother. I mean, it's not only what they say about dad, it's what they won't do and say about mom. The word bless means to kneel by implication, it's what it would mean like if we bless God as an act of adoration uh, or vice versa, as God blesses man by way of benefit. And so it's the idea of uh, the word congratulate we might use or to praise. The Bible says of the virtuous woman, her children rise up and call her blessed. I mean, they say, I have a great mom. I'm grateful for the investment she made in my life. Now, when you think about children, I understand... And I believe, by the way, with each generation, how much harder does this get? If you're a generation that was begat by a generation that cursed their father and didn't bless their mother, how hard is it going to be for you to curse not to curse your father and bless your mother? Then if you have a, a generation, you're raised by parents who are pure in their own eyes, yet are not washed from their filthiness, meaning they think they're the, the best things in sliced bread, and you see a hundred inconsistencies in their life, it's even now harder to not curse your father and bless your mother. And if you have a mom and dad who use their tongues to slice each other up, you see what I'm saying? It snowballs until each generation is adding to the sins of the last generation. And so what you have here is a disrespectful generation in the beginning. But let's notice some things about this generation. This is where it all begins. By the way, when we come to, to a child, the parents in their life, that is the first that is the first dose of authority that a human knows is their parent. It is the first human authority in anyone's life is dad and mom. It is the, it is the, these are the individuals that God has invested his authority in to raise children. By the way, that is the role of a parent in the life of a child. You are an authority in the life of that child. But what we find then a child that curses their father and does not bless their mother. You know what that reveals in the heart? It's an authority problem. It's an authority problem. It all goes back to, I resent someone else in my life telling me how to live my life. So they curse father and do not bless their mother. This tells us, number one, that this generation has a disregard for the gift of life. 
Guess where all of us would be tonight if it weren't for our dad and mom? Not here. (laughs) Now, I understand God is the giver of life, but he's chosen to do that through two parents. And it doesn't matter what the LGBTQ community says, it's God's way or no way. (laughs) And you can't change God's way. So you and I both know we got life from mom and dad. Now, you know what is the first step toward being the murderers that we find in verse 14? Being the despisers in verse 11. They despise the gift of life. They were given life from God, and they're not appreciative to those who gave them that life. So we find in this disrespectful generation that they have a disregard for the gift of life, and therefore they have a despite for the givers of life. They have a disregard for the gift of life, You've been given life from your mom and dad. Praise God for that. Now they are the ones that God used to give you that life. If you disregard the gift of life, then you're going to despise the givers of it. As though the Bible asks this question, what do you have that you did not receive? The answer is nothing. Everything, physical and spiritual life, are a gift from God. And those are channeled through two parents. And so there's a lot here in this, more than just a couple of bratty kids that don't like their parents. There's more stated here than that. No, here's a generation who disregards the gift of life. They're not appreciative of what they've been given. They despise the givers of it. There's an entitlement mentality already there because they curse their father and they won't bless their mother. And then they are disobedient, and that would be implied in this, to the governors of their life. Children who curse their father and don't bless their mother are not obedient children. Going along with obedience, the children obey your parents in the Lord. Those same verses in Ephesians 6 say, Honor thy father and thy mother. It's, it's amazing, and I believe this. I, I know this from experience. It is rare to meet a person, including people who are Christians, who have purpose by conviction not to speak ill of their parents. Most people are ready to tell you what their parents did wrong. Look, I'm not talking about not being honest. There are no perfect parents on earth, and you'd have to be blind to not know that. Do you understand there's a difference in seeing imperfections and making sure you point those out with your tongue? You know there's a difference in, in realizing that yeah, maybe they, they, weren't, they weren't perfect. Uh, I believe this. God did not say, honor thy father and thy mother unless they're jerks. I never find that in my Bible. Do you? I don't find that. I don't find honor thy father and thy mother unless they didn't treat you well. No, there's a generation that they figured it all out and stupid old dad and mom. I'm going to tell you something. We have a generation right now that has very little to no respect for the generation before, or especially the generation before that. I can say this in my vocation as preachers. There's a generation of preachers my age that think they have figured it out. And the old guys need to step aside because there's just a bunch of hard-nosed legalists that need to get out of the way. And let us go forward and make some progress. And if you weren't so, if you were willing, you older guys were more willing to listen I got news for you. It is the prerogative of older guys to speak and it is the prerogative of younger ones of us to listen. Our Lord and Savior, when he sat in the temple, could have instructed everybody there, but he sat and answered questions and asked questions because of the 12-year-old he knew his place. What I just said is old-fashioned and old-school, but it's Bible. 
Amen? Part of honor is not constantly requiring to be heard, but a willingness to listen. And so then there's a disobedience to the governors of life. Notice in Proverbs 2, the wicked woman is described here in Proverbs 2, the strange woman, and it says something very interesting about her. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 17, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16 says that wisdom is given for this purpose to deliver thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth. I think that's such an interesting statement. Which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3, if you would, verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible says this. says, Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, My father... Thou art the guide of my youth. Now, God is our heavenly Father, is the guide of our youth, but in a practical sense, the guide of someone's youth is their parent. Where would we be, you and I, without our parents? Not just not here, but without their instruction, without their guidance, without their correction, those kind of things. And so what God says is there is a generation that curseth their father and blesseth not their mother meaning they, 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 they deride, they, they tear down, they disrespect, they make light of, or they refuse to be thankful and grateful and blessed. And so it's a generation that has disregard for the gift of life, despite for the givers of that life, and disobedient to the governors of that life. They forsake the guide of their youth. They curse their father and do not bless their mother. I'll say it again. This is a generation that at its root, what the problem is, is a wrongful attitude toward Authority. I'm going to tell you what, if you want to watch the downfall of our country, you tell me tonight an, a, a position of authority that is not under assault in our culture. Political authority is under assault. Authority in the homes. You know what feminism is all about? It's about an assault on authority in the home. The authority of the parents, the authority of the husband. Uh, it is about uh, there's assault on authority in the workplace. And I'm not, people immediately say the word authority tells you the assault authority is under. All of a sudden you, you believe in authority and the proper use of it and you're a dictator. <laughs> now undoubtedly there are people that have abused authority and will abuse authority. There will always be those that do. But you tell me tonight where rebellion comes from. This, this cursing of father and, and not blessing mother. Where is this, this rooted in this assault on our authorities? Read Isaiah chapter 14. I will be as the most high, he said. I will, I will, I will. Lucifer said that before he was deposed from heaven. And so we find, verse 11, there's a disrespectful generation. How many of us would put someone making light of their parents cursing dad? Ugh, sometimes you just, you know. By the way, you can't help but your parents irritate you sometimes. I'm not talking about that. So much you decide to do about it. When a person speaks of their father and berates and belittles and, and runs down and curses dad, how many of us would put that in the same category as killing somebody? But one leads to the other. And so there is a disrespectful generation. Number two, in verse 12, we find a deceived generation. And you'll find one feeds the other. You know, if we won't listen to the counsel, instruction, reproofs of our parents, Proverbs says so much about the blessing of being attentive to the instruction of a father. You and a father is going to be faithful to do so much so that sometimes we feel like it's all they do. 
they're going to point out what's wrong with us. Truth? We dads have to watch not provoking our children wrath because we're, we're prone to only see what's wrong with our kids. Now, that's rooted in pride, so God has to deal with men about not only doing that. We have to encourage them and bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But the truth is, a dad is going to be faithful to point out what's wrong with you. If you don't do a job right, any dad worth his salt, he may not even be a saved dad. He's going to say, no, son, that's not how you change the oil. <laughs> and if we get despite in our hearts, say, I hate it when he does that. All he ever does is point out what's wrong with me. Careful. Because you know what comes next? He's not right. That's not the way I am. I'm not, ha- I'm not, I'm not lazy. I'm not, I'm not this. I'm not that. He's always telling me I'm doing wrong, and I'm not. I'm better than that. Notice the next verse. Notice the next verse. Verse 12. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Meaning they're still as dirty as they ever were, but they think they're clean. How does that happen? Well, if you won't listen to the reprovers in your life, you'll get a false view of self. We talked about that this morning with the laver, likening it to God's word. There's a generation that when whether parental authority or perhaps educational authority or perhaps a civil authority or perhaps an ecclesiastical authority does their job of reproving and rebuking the individual that says, no, I ain't buying that. No, I'm not having that. I'm not, I'm not accepting that. What happens is all of a sudden we have a conceit. The Bible calls it being wise in our own conceit. Scripture says there is more hope of a fool than there is of a man who's wise in his own conceit. It's one thing to lack knowledge. It's, it's another to think you know something that's absolutely false. It's one thing to not know you're filthy. It's another to be convinced you're clean when you're still filthy. There's a generation who think they're saved and on their way to hell. That's basically what it's saying. They're pure in their own eyes, but they're not washed from their filthiness. <laughs> They say, I'm good. I, I'm fine. I have no problem. I, you know, I know that my parents aren't, uh, they don't approve of me, but what does that mean? You know what? They need to learn to accept me for who I am. You ever heard that? My parents need to quit harping on me for what they want me to be and accept me for who I am. Mm-hmm. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet are not washed from their filthiness. Yeah, they need to, they need to figure out that I'm not as bad as they think I am. You with me tonight? There's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. That leads to a generation that are pure in their own eyes but are not washed from their filthiness. There's a generation who has a self-conceit, but their true condition is one of corruption. They're still in their filthiness. They have not been turned away and washed by the blood of Christ from their sins or by the water of His Word, yet because they've not been willing to listen to reproof and rebuke and correction and instruction. Friends, I cannot overemphasize, especially to our young people tonight, if you want a fundamental, a fundamental a foundation of wisdom, the Bible says it's the fear of the Lord, knowing that God knows what I really am and I need to have a heart that is always ready to respond to His correction in my life. The day I decide that I don't like correction is the day I started being a fool. 
I beg you to read the book of Proverbs and be attentive to what the Bible says about how we respond to correction. There's something in all of us that hates it, and it's called P-R-I-D-E. We hate to be told we're not what we think we are. But oh, it's the end. Once we've decided we're good, I have, I have searched my heart. I have found nothing wrong with me. I'm good. There is a generation that appear in their own eyes, yet are not washed in their filthiness. And I know you hear this come through the preaching quite often because I believe it is a tremendous burden that I bear and I think if you walk with the Lord, you bear to see the distinction between what we often... If you've ever noticed in your own life, if you've walked with God any time at all, the Lord surely has pointed out to you times when you thought you were something and God showed you the real view and you go, oh my, I had no idea how bad my attitude was. I had no idea how much lust was still pinned up inside me. I had no idea how much anger was still inside of me. You've walked with God any time. There had to be a point where he's shown you you are not what your image of self is. But there is a generation that because their attitude toward human authority starting at home is, no, I've, I, I'm not going to hear that. They curse father, do not bless mother. They dismiss, they disregard, they despise, and therefore their self-conceit is, hey, I'm clean, I'm pure. You know, what the, you know what the strange woman says? I've done nothing wrong. We'll read tonight. There are people, I don't know how many of these quotes I'll read to you, that say, and I use this only as an illustration, only. This is not a message about abortion, about Roe v. Wade or any of that. But because of the recent events, it serves as a good illustration for us. There are people that said, there's a, a, a representative, I'm going to find the quote and read it now. Uh, we find Representative Cory Bush said this concerning Abortion. So to all the black women and girls who have had abortions or will have abortions, know this, we have nothing to be ashamed of. Can you imagine? You know what that individual is saying? We've done nothing wrong. Either in conceiving or destroying that child. We should be proud. How do you get there? We'll give you a solemn warning. It starts with attitude towards your mom and dad. Starts with an attitude huge toward human authority. It has become extremely unpopular to even touch this issue from the pulpit in this generation. The moment you touch the issue of preaching, and I can tell you this, you, you can bear it out. If you spend any time on social media, you know what I'm telling you is true. I'm talking about any time. Once you start touching on the proper response to human authority, immediately you are an abuser, you're a dictator, you're hateful. You know what those people start doing? Taking their swords out and their knives Slicing to pieces. You know how we got here? It was a generation that rebelled against human authority in the home and said, and we're right for doing it. We're right for doing it. A disrespectful generation leads to a deceived generation. Then we come to verse 13. And we're going to call this a demanding generation. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Some of you Bible students what would this be referred to in Proverbs chapter 6? It's one of the things the Lord hates. What was that? What did I hear? A proud look. Let me ever, in, in exaggerating 
some haughty person you've met, unlike yourself, of course, or me, but other people we've met, we personify them by going, oh, yeah, they got their what in the air? They got their nose in the air. Well, you know what? What are, what are we calling? What, are they call, what does the LGBTQ call itself? It's called the what movement? Pride. We are so proud of what we are. We have got it right. You know what, you know what this, this generation does? It demands. They've got their eyes up high. They, they are meaning they've got a viewpoint like God. How lofty are their eyes? We are able to see what the rest of you lowlifes can't see. We have a perspective that is superior to yours. We find it in our universities. We find it often in our pulpits. We're not so lowly to believe the pages of Scripture. We have higher mentality. We have elevated on the, on the, the towers of learning. We have advanced beyond the rest of you lowlies. These demand, number one, recognition. Oh, how lofty are their eyes. They're up with... You gotta, you gotta recognize me. Oh, how proud is their look. And so, as a generation, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. These folks demand recognition. They demand respect. The same respect they refuse to give to their own parents, they demand you give to them. The same respect they would never give to God is demanded, but you give it to me. Well, how lofty are their eyes? Have you noticed, and I'm not against this, if it's, I've, I've known men, met men who have degrees behind their name, but how many times do we see that as, don't you notice how many letters I have behind my last name? I am a better person than you, therefore. Now again, if you don't have those letters, we can be just as haughty or lofty by saying, you're more righteous by not having the letters behind your name. That's not my point. My point is we do have folks today who through much education have lifted their eyelids up to say, I know more than you, I have more knowledge, and plus, I'm pure and I know it. Don't tell me I'm defiled, I'm a good person. Well, how lofty are their eyelids? This is proud, it's demanding. This generation demands recognition, demands respect, and by all means, they'll demand their rights. You know what, if you know you're right, then you've got to have your... You're right. Friend, we're there. You know what? The only kind of person that demands their rights is a haughty person. Because an honest person doesn't want what they deserve. People say, well, I have my rights. You know what a right is? What you deserve. (laughs) Now, I understand between humans we have certain rights. I get that. But we have a, what's the term we like to use? Um... Help me now. I'm, I'm, thank you. The entitlement mentality. Entitlement means I, because of who I am, there are certain things I deserve. I deserve. I, I deserve to be recognized. I, I deserve to be listened to. I, I deserve to have my say. I deserve to have respect. You, you respect my way of life. How many of you know that respect is not something, if it's true, you can't demand it? If you demand respect, you don't deserve it. <laughs> Any of us. Respect has to be, has to be earned. It has to be, it has to be proven. That's why God should be respected. <laughs> and that's why probably most of us shouldn't. <laughs> and I'm not saying we can't earn respect among each other. You know where I'm coming from. This, this generation, I am worthy to be heard. I'm worthy to be seen. It's haughty. It's proud. And that brings us to the last generation because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before 
I'm going to tell you something. If this nation does not humble herself, we will fall. It's, it, we have to or God's a liar. If we don't humble ourselves and see what we are instead of what we've said we are, instead of trying to convince others what we've convinced ourselves of, no, no, there has to be a, a humbling. And so the, the, the final generation, it's a destructive generation. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Notice their weapons. What is the weaponry of this generation? It's their teeth and their jaw teeth. Do you really think that means literally they're going around biting people? No. (laughs) You know as well as I do what that means. It means James chapter 3. Their tongue is a world of iniquity. Set on fire of hell is what the Bible says about the tongue. You know what is being used so often to destroy the lives of people today? Words. Now, many times today it's coming off the fingers as much as the tongue, but the application is exactly the same. If you do not respect me, I'll tell a tale about you that destroys your testimony. One of the things I was looking at tonight in preparing for Galatians is one of the things Paul is having to do in Galatians 1 and 2 is reestablish his credibility with the churches of Galatia. Now, why is that? They had gotten saved under his preaching. God had used him in such a mighty way in their lives that they were convinced that the gospel was true and had gotten saved under Paul's preaching. Yet, when he writes to them in Galatians, to the churches of Galatia, He's having to reestablish his credibility to say, this is how the Lord saved me, and this is how many years I've been preaching the same message, and this is what the apostles saw. When I told them what I was preaching, he says, I certify you. He used the word, I certify you. And then he says, before God, I lie not. Why was Paul having to do that? Because somebody came in with their jaw teeth and their tongue, started tearing Paul down, saying, he is not to be listened to. He doesn't have the right credentials. He's not credentialed as we are. And what happens is when there is a a rebellious generation, we've watched it over the last 15 to 20 years. We've watched people's lives absolutely decimated by lies even. We're in a time where all you have to do is tell a lie about somebody. It doesn't have to be true. You can ruin a man's career or a woman's life. You can ruin a man or woman's uh, ministry with your your tongue. And you know who's doing it? Those who curse their father and bless not their mother, and then you come to a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet are not clean. They're still filthy. And then you have their eyes are lifted up, and they are demanding recognition and respect in their rights, and when you don't give it, oh, then we'll slice you up. <laughs> Man, this is what humanity generates. Isn't that encouraging? I'm going to tell you something. You study humanity, you will not be encouraged. You have to study God to get encouraged. This is what humanity produces. Rebels and murderers. Boy, thank you for the encouragement, Pastor. That's wonderful. Our culture demonstrates it. You know what? I read this. I read these four generations and I think I've watched it. I've watched this in my life. I've watched wonderfully godly men destroyed by the tongues of rebels. Men who ought to be treated with great respect, treated with disdain, not because what was said was true about them, but because what they said to others was true. 
And it's not, nothing on the sun. That's what's happened to Paul in the book of Galatians. There were those slicing him up with the tongue because they were not them. You know who was slicing Paul the tongue? It was the Judaizers. You know what the Judaizers believed? You are not saved by faith in the work of the cross. You are saved by your strict conformity to the law and our traditions. And they hated Paul, and they more than Paul hated the message he preached. The cross made them sinners like anybody else. And they said, oh, no, we're better than that. So we find there was a disrespectful generation, leads to a deceived generation, a demanding generation, and then a destructive generation. Let me read some more of these quotes. They're sad. These are all surrounding the subject of abortion. I don't know who some of these people are, uh, but they are quotes made concerning and they're using their tongue. And I want you to think very very realistically what they're using their tongues to do. And remember these generation, they use their, 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 their teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour who? The poor, those who have not, and the needy from among men. Now that, that represents a lot of different people classes. The elderly. But who more represents the poor and needy than a poor little infant in a womb who is completely dependent on those who are ahead of them? I think it was, I, I wish I'd get this quote right, but I believe it was Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, that said, you'll never find a person advocating for the killing of the unborn who wasn't themselves born. <laughs> Simple statement, a lot of wisdom. This is from a woman named Amy uh, Arambide. She said, I love my abortion. I am pro-abortion. I am pro-abortion because regardless of the circumstances or the reasoning, sometimes abortion is the best thing that could have happened to a person. What? A, well, yeah. Good question. And Marcella Howell said, As black women, our fight has always been and continues to be about the human right to control our body, our work, and our community. Attacks on our human rights will always be met with protest and activism. We will not stop until reproductive justice is the law of the land. What are they advocating for? Let's just keep this simple. The killing of babies. They're using their tongues literally to destroy life. Can I tell you where this started? Way on back here when they said, Old man, don't you tell me what to do. My old man this and my old man that. Don't you ever let me catch anybody around me calling your dad your old man. I don't care what a wretch he was. It's wrong. Amen? Sin. It's called cursing. And this attitude has turned into murder with the tongue. Uh, this, this by Yashika Robinson. Abortion is normal, safe, essential health care. Receiving and providing this care should not be criminalized. Abortion care is health care. And it is essential care. We must protect. Patients I care for, my community, my friends, and my family deserve dignity. They deserve autonomy and agency. Those are code words for they deserve to be rebels against God and no one tell them they're wrong. And I won't go on. I, want you to, I wanted to use this final few quotes to illustrate verse 14. There is a generation whose teeth are swords, as swords, and the jaw teeth is knives to devour the poor from the off the earth and the needy from among men. Now go to Titus 3 if you would. We can't stop there. <laughs> Our job is to preach the gospel. The bad news is humanity. The good news is Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 3. Paul saying to the Cretans, and the Cretans were known for some sin. They were known for being evil beasts. You know what evil beasts do? They devour Slow bellies, all-way liars. <laughs> that, was the, that was the reputation of the Christians. But Paul says this in verse 1, 
<clears throat> Titus 3. Put them in mind, talking about to the believers in Crete and the churches in Crete. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. You know what he's dealing with? Tell them not to be rebels against authority. To obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Now notice verse 3. For we ourselves also sometimes were, we, we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. What's the next word? Disobedient. Oh, what's the next word? Deceived, meaning perhaps thinking we're pure when we were still filthy. Uh-huh. Deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy. Notice this, hateful and hating one another. You know what Paul is saying? You Cretans had all four of those generations at work at the same time. You were disobedient, you were hateful, malicious, full of envy. Then he says, verse 4, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of... You notice what word's in there? Not generation, re generation and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that being justified by his grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life this is a faithful saying and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works these things are good and profitable unto men you know he's describing in verses 1 through 3 the generation of mankind deceit disobedience destruction. But you know what happens when there's regeneration? That's all we can do is generate more and more sin. But when you're born again, God puts a new nature in you. And the regeneration takes care of the generation problem, doesn't it? That's what he's saying. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, God withholding from us what we justly deserve. Doesn't a generation that that curses their father and disobeys their mother, don't they deserve judgment? God says the ravens of the valley shall pluck their eyes out. That's strong language. But God shows mercy, doesn't he? How many of you deserve to have your eyes tonight? Hmm. Anybody ever curse their parents under their breath? (laughs) Idiot. God doesn't take that lightly. But you know what? Aren't you glad for regeneration? Aren't you glad you're no longer the kind of person that is a rebel? That God changed you and he regenerated you? That you're no longer deceived? You were able to see your filthiness and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse you from your sin. Aren't you glad that you no longer got your head in the air and think the world owes you everything, but you know you owe God everything? Aren't you glad? Regeneration changes everything. May I say tonight, you say, I'm not familiar with that. Well, maybe you need regenerated. Maybe all you have is generation. People say, you believe in generational sin? You better believe I do. But I believe regeneration overcomes generational sin. Amen? In my family, God broke some chains of sin that were generational. And you know what did it? The new birth. A new nature. Uh, from the Lord himself. And tonight, you know what the answer? We look around our country and say, what does America need? It needs Titus chapter 3. It needs to know number one that being disobedient and deceived and serving diverse lusts and pleasures and living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another has us prone for the judgment of Almighty God. But if we'll fall on His mercy, we'll receive it. 
And through Jesus Christ, we can have regeneration. The only hope for this country is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't mean let's go out and we'll turn America. I just mean the hope for your neighbor who lives like Proverbs chapter 30 and the hope for the neighbors down the street who are hateful. You know what the hope for the abortionists is? They need to see that they are under the wrath of Almighty God. But God saves even abortionists if they'll repent toward God. And tonight, for us, if you've been regenerated, you remember this. Generation is who you were. Regeneration. Now we are supposed to maintain good works, for these are good and profitable unto men. Tonight, let us not be part of that disrespectful generation. We've been saved from that, or the deceived, or the demanding, or the destructive. And let us know that in a a dark, dark world, we are supposed to do what according to Philippians 2? Supposed to hold forth the word of life and shine as bright lights. And what this disrespectful, deceived, demanding, destructive generation we live in needs is regeneration. They need new life. Mm -hmm.